Hey, welcome to another mile post here on the V-Twin Life. V-Twin Life is brought to you by a few great companies. One being Crash Inc. Clothing. You can find them out of Oregon. Great company, specialized in clothes, doing work on bikes now. You can check them out at CrashInClothing.com. They got a lot of great stuff. Hey, head on over there. Maybe they got something you like. And we can't forget, wild ass. You like pounding miles, you like riding, you want to be in comfort. Hey, maybe strap a wild ass under your ass and ride with an air cushion and be comfortable for hours. And can't forget Custom Dynamics, leading the industry in lighting LED technology. Man, these guys got some great stuff. So head on over to Custom Dynamics and check it out. Now, let's get to another mile post of the V-Twin Life. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to Mile Post 89. We'll be premiering this tonight on YouTube as... Mike's here is traveling all around the world, and so with his schedule, trying to hook up with him when he's got some internet, we're doing things a little different today. But hey, Mike, thank you for uh, taking time out of your travels and, and sitting down and telling some stories. I appreciate it, buddy. It's good to be here. Appreciate you reaching out. This was awesome. Oh, heck yeah. I mean, I've had so much fun following you know your adventures all through TikTok and all the places you've been in the videos. Like, holy crap, this is unreal and cool as hell. Yeah, it was. It, I. It seems to be the. It seems to be how most people are finding me nowadays. TikTok was like the one little niche that I was able to kind of squeeze into, because I noticed there was like not a lot of motorcycle, like long distance travelers on there. So it's kind of good to just hop in and share some stories. Well, yeah, you create your own vibe, your own, you know, your own following because you're doing something that's different. That's not everybody. You know, it's not everybody's thing, and so you kind of found a niche and it seems to really be growing which is awesome that's yeah, a little little bit of growth every day that's all you asked for oh yes so where, where i like to dive in is everybody's you know how did you find motorcycles how do motorcycles come to life for you uh my dad my dad was the rider of the family he uh he had a bike back in like the 90s when i was a baby and you know it was one of those things like just the family started growing and he was like, I got to get rid of this thing. I think the last straw was my older brother burned himself on the tailpipe. So he sold that motorcycle <laughs> and then didn't ride for, for probably 15 years. And then I was when I was 15, he bought another motorcycle, started riding again. And that was the first real exposure to it. And then uh, 2017, right after I graduated college, you know, I started working like a big boy job and had adult money that I never had before. And I just, I found this, I found a really good deal on a 2005 Honda shadow, like found it on Facebook marketplace. The guy was practically giving it away. And I was like, I think I'm going to go get a motorcycle. <laughs> and within 24 hours, that thing was sitting in my driveway. So I think I'm senior social media. Was that the arrow? It was the Honda shadow arrow. Yeah. Well, okay. I, I missed that motorcycle every day. It was pristine. Like the guy took, phenomenal care of it the only reason he was getting rid of it he had just bought like I think he had just bought his third road king and he was like <laughs> i don't have space for it anymore so yeah it was funny my dad and i when we went to go look at it jeez went crazy here um uh yeah my dad and i we went to go look at it and it was like keep in mind it's it's end of october at this point in new york so it's starting to get cold like as soon as the sun dips down, it gets into like the low 40s, high 30s. So my dad was like wishy-washy about riding at home. And the guy chimes in. He's like, I'll deliver it to your house tomorrow if you want. I can throw it right on the trailer. I was like, where's my money? I basically threw <laughs> the cash at him. And uh, yeah, that was kind of the, that was where it really started. So I bought it. I rode it for like two days just around the neighborhood. Couldn't resist myself. Like I didn't have a license. Didn't know how to ride. I was just like, we're going to figure this out. So I, I took it probably two days around the neighborhood. And then that thing went into storage. Uh, it was stored under my buddy's back porch for like the whole winter. And I finally was able to pull it out at the end of March, like five months later, and just never really stopped. That's all. How long did you have that one? I didn't have it too long, actually. Um, I probably had that one for... I don't know, eight months, nine months. And then my mom at the time was interested in riding motorcycles. And my dad had just bought a new Triumph Thunderbird 
and he had his Yamaha V-Star, the 1100. So he gave me the V-Star. I gave him the Honda Shadow. And then I had the V-Star for a summer. And it was right around that time that I had always had the idea that I was going to ride long distance. Like that, that was kind of my goal, like long distance riding. So I knew I needed to upgrade and I found a good deal on a V-Strom 1000. Um, the dealership that I went through, they gave me some really good trade-in values on the V-Star and the Honda Shadow. My dad ended up giving me back the Honda Shadow. And uh, yeah, I ended up with the V-Strom back in January of 2019. And that's been the bike ever since. I was always a big fan of the V-Stroms. I mean, the motor in them was tried and true. I mean, it came out of the, <clears throat> the TL-1000. Yeah. I mean, they tuned it down a little bit to go into the into the yeah. V-Stroms, but I've always been a fan of the V-Stroms. I just like the styling in it. Yeah. I mean, like you said in a lot of your videos, it's kind of a beginner door into the adventure yeah. bike. I mean, it's not full on, you know, like a, the BMW GS, the tried and true, no. proven itself no. ever, but the V-Stroms are a very capable bike. Even like uh, Craig Johnson that owns Wild Ass, he had the 650 for a while. Yeah. And the 650 seems it. to be, yeah, the 650 seems to be what everyone has. It, if I could go back, I would probably get the 650 just because it seems like they don't have nearly as many quirks. You know, the, the big issue with the V-Strom is like the issue with the clutch and the stator, like the electronics can get a little finicky, but the 650 doesn't seem to have them. So I, I, they're very capable. Like I said, they're, they're not great at anything, but they're, they'll get you pretty much anywhere you need to go like 98% of circumstances. What do you average you think for fuel mileage? Uh, it's gone down a little bit recently. Um, the last chain and sprocket, I changed the gearing a little bit and it dropped from like 45 to 48 a gallon down to about 39 to 40, which is still okay. good. It's yeah. still good. But uh, well, you got to configure, I mean, with all that you're loaded down with too. Yeah. 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 It's... And especially, I, I've been shocked down in Central America because, you know, the gas quality down here isn't as great. And I'm still getting, like, 37 to 39, depending on how aggressive I'm riding. Um, I think part of that is the, so, the slower speeds the, on the roads down here. But uh, well, I guess we, we didn't touch on that. I mean, you let everybody know kind of, I mean, you're not here in the United States right now. You're down south, south. Yeah, no, I'm down in, uh, I'm down in San Juan del Sur. It's, like, right on the Nicaragua-Costa Rica border. And uh, yeah, I've been I've been coming through Central America for the last like four months. So you know, just kind of do it a few hundred miles a day, and then you find a place to you know kind of enjoy yourself for a while. Do I mean obviously kind of as I say I've been following your adventure, so I know you're trying to do some sightseeing and enjoy areas because sure. this is kind of a once in a lifetime trip in a way. I mean, absolutely, absolutely, and like I I always hated that I always hated that term like once in a lifetime because it kind of like pigeonholes your journey a little bit like ideally i'll be able to travel like this forever in some you know some capacity but i've kind of come to i've started realizing like once i hit the once i hit the one year mark of like living full-time on the road i was like i don't think i'll ever do this again in this capacity <laughs> but um yeah i mean uh, usually it's it, it really depends on where i'm at you know it depends on how much i like the place depends on how much people rave about it, you know, mm -hmm. um, like there's been certain places that were super unexpected. Guatemala, great example. Like I loved Guatemala. Um, if I wasn't like booked, if I, if I hadn't like booked a ship, like a shipping date out of Panama, I would have stayed in, in Guatemala a lot longer, but yeah, it's usually, I, I take every day very, I kind of just wake up in the morning. I'm like, what am I doing today? Where am I going? How far am I going? And yeah, just kind of ride until ride until I don't feel like riding anymore for the day. Well, what kind of sparked the idea, you know, basically the, the motorcycle nomad life to for a while? I mean, how did you get to decide this is what I want to do? Or The best way I heard it described was uh, there's a guy named Dave Barr, which is really funny. There's no relation to us, but Dave Barr... He, uh, he's got a couple of books that he's written. He's got a couple of world records. He did a three-year trip around the world back in the 90s um, on a Harley shovelhead. <laughs> and, uh, I think I know yeah. the guy you're talking about. 
he did the whole trip. He he uh, he lost both of his legs in uh, in South Africa. Like got blown up in a landmine explosion, and like ten years later, did this crazy round the world trip. He's ridden across Russia and Siberia in the winter. Like I actually had lunch with him two years ago, um, just before I started with this trip. I was in California. I kind of cold called him. I was like, "Hey, I'm doing this trip." I'm going to be near you. I would love to get lunch with you. And he shot me an email back like 10 minutes later. And uh, awesome. yeah, we, we, he lives in this small little town named Bodfish, California. It's like an hour east of Bakersfield, like up in the mountains, like the road to get to Bodfish. It's terrifying. But um, yeah, we, we chatted for like three hours. It was like me, him, my dad and little brother, super interesting guy. But the way he describes it, like, the idea kind of just hit him in the forehead one day. And that's exactly what happened to me. I remember it was very short. It was very quickly after I started riding the shadow, after I had pulled that out of storage. Yeah, just kind of riding around one day and got this idea. I was like, I'm going to ride a motorcycle around the world. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but that's the idea. And then it was from that decision to leaving. It was like four years. It was about four years. Man, I mean, you got to, there's some planning that's got to go into stuff. For sure. Uh, for sure. Part of it was just like finding, finding the right bike for it. And the V-Strom kind of fell into my lap at the right time. Um, COVID honestly had a very unexpected positive impact because it like the job I was working, uh, I was a, I fell into property management right out of college. It was a job I never thought I would do. Um, but just, it was a weird set of circumstances, but I was getting ready to quit that job in 2020 and leave on the trip. And then I started working from home. I really liked working from home <laughs> and it basically, that, that whole time period added another like $10,000 to my savings that kept me on the road. For, it's kept me on the road so much longer. So it was kind of a blessing in disguise. But in terms of planning for the actual trip itself, there wasn't a, there wasn't much. It was kind of like general rough route, general rough timeline, and enough money in my pocket to hit the road and not really worry about it. Now, see, so what do you, I guess we kind of you know dive into the route that you put together for what you wanted to do. I know, you know, reading stuff, you kind of spent some time with your family in the United States. Then now you went, then you head to Alaska, didn't you? Started up there. No. So what, so the, the original rough route was I was going to travel around the U S on a motorcycle, which I've always wanted to do. And then I was going to head up to Prudhoe Bay all the way okay. at the northern end of the Dalton highway and then ride all the way down to Ushuaia. Um, I didn't end up making it to Alaska. Um, I, I took a, I took a summer job in Southern California. Um, it was, it was a photography job. Like once I, once I hit the road, I really wanted to like shift into photography as my, as my career. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just kind of this opportunity that I fell into in California. And it was the kind of job where like you would work two weeks, two and a half weeks, take three weeks off, you know, work three weeks, take a month off. And I had this like one month time frame this past summer. And I was like, that's it. That's what I'm going for Alaska. And I made it as far as Seattle <laughs> before I basically needed to do a full tune up on the bike. Like I just maintenance and all that kind of stuff. The, it wasn't running. It wasn't. It wasn't running well enough to get to Alaska. So, so you were like a ferry boat ride in an hour and ten minutes from my house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Are you on the? Uh, are you on like the Western Peninsula out there? Yeah, I'm up on the Olympic Peninsula in Port Angeles, right at the base of the Olympic Mountains. I know exactly where that is. I rode through there because I, I rode out when I after I left Seattle. I rode out to Cape Flattery, mm -hmm. and I think I passed right through Port Angeles. Yeah, it's the only highway to get out there. Yeah, yeah. So That's actually, if, if you were would have been coming into Port Angeles, there was like a Safeway gas station. I'm literally like a quarter mile down the road. <laughs> I know right. exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. That's so funny. That's yep. so funny. It's some great riding out there, man. I love, you know, I, I, the vibes I get from the Pacific Northwest is people either love it or hate it. Like there's really no like middle ground. I loved it out there. It is a great place and I'm trying to break out of my my comfort shell because I, you know, got the GoPros and whatnot, I want to play with it. I want to do some, you know, I don't think moto vlog exactly is the right term, but do some of that, but also do some videos and showcase 
the areas. I mean, even you get north of Seattle up in the Skagit Valley, there's some amazing yep. roads. But even here on the peninsula, we have some great little, you know, side highways you can get on. Like I did yesterday, yep. finally got my got the bike out for the first time this year. I saw that. Just because weather and went out around Squim, down through the farmlands. And it wasn't a long ride. I went out for like two hours or whatnot. But, oh, God, it was just so nice. Just, you know, you get that two-wheel therapy. Absolutely. Just, I, I mean, just, to do is I was going to do some video stuff. It's like, you know what? I'm just going to enjoy the ride. I'm just going to ride. And I'll that's do it. that later. And it's like, screw it. Absolutely. And just, I mean, just, again, testament to the Pacific Northwest. Like, just the fact you can get out and ride in, like, January, you know? In yeah. New York, in New York, it's hit or miss. You know, some, there, there have been years where, I mean, two years ago, I was riding New Year's Day. Like, the year before I left, I was riding New Year's Day. But, you know, I remember during COVID, it was once December rolls around, you're pretty much shut down until March at the earliest. It just gets too cold. Well, for us, it was probably three, three and a half weeks ago. We had a foot of snow. <laughs> and then had all the de-icer. And then all of a sudden, you know, temperatures yeah. warmed up a few days later. So uh-huh. we've been just getting pounded by the rain. So at least the rain cleared yeah. all the de-icer off the highway because that stuff is nasty I corrosive. And I saw so, it. Seemed like the, it seemed like the entire West Coast was just flooded for oh, two yeah. weeks got hammered well california like right now they're getting yeah. hammered in northern california well i think the whole state is flooding yeah but yeah That's all crazy. the rain kind of washed away and had a break between rainstorms yesterday i'm like fuck i'm gonna go for a ride yeah. it's, it's funny it turns out when you ask for for rain for 25 years yeah. <laughs> eventually mother nature's gonna be like all right i'll give you rain here well i'm gonna give you your yearly amount in three days exactly because <laughs> yeah. that always works out well but, uh, it does. but yeah, so that, I, I didn't end up making it to Alaska. I compromised. I went up to Jasper National Park up in British Columbia, which was awesome. I mean, that ride from Jasper down to Banff, like the Icefields Parkway, it's one of the most beautiful rides in North America. I would love to get up to Banff. I mean, it's just absolutely gorgeous. And pictures of the yeah. lakes, I mean, part of that area reminds me of going the North Cascades Highway we have here in Washington because you can get up around Diablo and Ross, yeah. and they're that same emerald totally. green, and it's beautiful but yeah Banff is on my list someday to get up and check out Banff was great and i'm telling you just like go north from Banff. there's one highway that connects Banff all the way up to jasper it's like it's like a two and a half hour ride i think it's like a, i think it's like 100 miles mm-hmm. it unbelievable you've got ten thousand foot peaks on this side twelve thousand foot peaks on this side and it's just perfect beautiful blacktop for 100 miles oh, that'd be awesome yeah I think and that I was, was there on the, uh, Stevie, the military biker. He did his top five roads because he lives up in, I think he yeah. is in Alberta. And I think that was yeah. one of his top five roads for Absolutely. riding his area. Yeah, that would make sense. It's, I'm telling you, like, ridden a lot of miles at this point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's, those, are, those, those are some of the best miles I've ridden for sure. Because I was, I mean, I, you're there in June and you've got, like, just snow-capped mountains all around you. And it's unbelievable oh unbelievable. yeah and it's not it's not too far of a ride from from seattle i mean i i took i took my time getting up there but like you can get out there in in a day in a day get out Roughly there which it, way did you go north up through vancouver and then head east or did you head east out of seattle i i cut north to vancouver i ended okay. up going up to i ended up going up to like Kelowna, british columbia because i have a friend up there and from Kelowna, i rode up to jasper i actually camped like just outside of Jasper and then rode down through Jasper and, uh, and Banff and Banff the next day. So I actually stayed with a buddy in Calgary down in Alberta after that. It's a buddy I met on Instagram like five years ago and he thought I was in the area. He's like, come crash on my couch for like three days. So, which happens a lot that that happens a lot living on the road and it's always fun. <laughs> oh, I bet. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, that occasional shower is nice. After oh my god! Tent camping for days. I gotta say, the tent camping never really got old. Still hasn't really. Like I actually, I it was the one it was the one worry I really had when I left. I was like, am I really going to enjoy camping? By the end of week number two, I was like, this is awesome. This is amazing. Just kind of being able to pull over wherever you are, crash for a night, not have to worry. Really, uh, really was unexpectedly enjoyable. <laughs> I think I've heard it from other people. Once you kind of hone in your craft and you kind of, you get a setup that works for you, that's comfortable that, yeah. and it's, 
you know, becomes routine. It's like, hey, this is no problem. You know, you, you get set up how you like it and what works for you. And, I, yeah. you know, people really enjoy the hell out of it. Yeah. And part of it, you know, the big part of it, because everyone asks me, like, aren't you afraid? Like, isn't it like scary? And I was like, it can be until you go to sleep and then you're not afraid of anything. <laughs> <laughs> so just get to sleep as quickly as possible and you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. And everything else is just whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I've slept. I've slept in some pretty sketchy places, and I'm still kicking. I'm still kicking around. So, so is this going on year three that you've been on the road? No, no, this is going on. Uh, just the other day was 14 months. So, oh, okay. little, almost a year and a half. Almost a year and a half. Yeah, I left New York September 10th of 2021. So, okay, I thought it was 20. So, okay. No, 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 no. I wish. <laughs> I wish it was supposed. It was supposed to be twenty. It was originally going to be twenty twenty, and then you know, something happened. Something happened in that time frame that I can't remember. It was a world-ending yeah. <laughs> crisis. <laughs> Had a meltdown. Yeah, like twenty twenty yeah, never happened. Yeah. Now we just it was twenty nineteen, and then it was twenty twenty two. Very quickly. The, oh, there. What is the pressure washer guy <clears throat> on TikTok? He has a funny little. It's like flash forward twenty years, just video yeah. about twenty twenty, going through the history books. Yeah, and I'll fucking oh, I'll so find good. it, send it to you. It's a comical little video. There's some, there's some of the, there's some of the best, <clears throat> best memes ever came out of twenty twenty. As crazy of as as crazy of a time as it was, as hectic as it was, whole lot of comedy came out of that era. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> no. but so when you left up that area, which now was it just straight southbound for you after you know the Calgary Alberta area? No, so I, I ended up back in Southern California. I was in Southern California. Southern California was kind of home base to a certain extent for like five-ish months. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like I had so much off time. Like I was taking, I was taking, I was taking week week long trips up to Yosemite and like out to the desert. And you know, uh, I, I met a girl while I was down there that I was dating for you know five months. So I, I was spending a lot of time with her, and then. And then that job finished up in September. It's the end of September. Um, I rode right out to Colorado, you know, kind of fresh on the heels of heartbreak <laughs> and uh, went camping for a weekend with some friends. Um, I rode from Colorado down to Dallas and then I was in Dallas for three weeks, just kind of spending time with my family. And uh, from Dallas, it was just kind of mobbing south. I rode from Dallas to the to the border in, in a day. Um, and then, yeah, crossed the border. I think it was like October 20th. That I got to double check, but it was, it was somewhere around then. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, crossed in Laredo and just kind of been heading south ever since. Now, so when you got your V-Strom, was it kind of just, you know, somewhat naked and then you kind of, you know, outfitted it how with, because you're running the Pelican cases, right? Yeah, so it's, the Pelican cases, which have been the biggest conversation starter the entire trip, um, it was kind of a custom custom mounting job because I had the stock Suzuki cases, like the bulbous black ones, mm-hmm. which I, I hated. Like they fit, they fit a bunch of stuff. They were great. I just hated how they looked. So I, I had been looking for alternatives and I decided I decided to go with the Pelicans, but I, I wasn't going to spend $1,000 on like a new rack and all that. So I found three Pelican cases on Facebook Marketplace for like a hundred bucks, and bought ten dollars worth. Steal, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was so good. Granted, I had to kind of hunt for them a little bit. Like they weren't all bought at the same time. Like I bought one, and like three weeks later I found the other. I think two weeks later I found the other. I was driving all over to get them, but uh, yeah, hundred dollars in Pelican cases along with eight dollars in nuts and bolts from home Depot and a little bit of ingenuity and they've been fine. They've been great. You know, they're, they're definitely not waterproof anymore. Definitely not dustproof anymore, but they carry my stuff. They carry my stuff. That's all that matters. And then the, uh, I customized them. I, I, I put on right as COVID started. I, I, I found a guy giving away his entire national geographic collection. Like he had, he had every national geographic like magazine from 1970 through to like 95 it was like 200 magazines but inside a few of them like he had the map inserts so i basically stuck these like world maps on the side of them 
And uh, yeah, it was, I mean, they lasted about a year before I had to redo them. So yeah, good little conversation. So you like tracing your route as you go into marker to, you know, I, I, I was going to, but again, I, I wasn't sure how durable they were going to be. <laughs> so right. I was like, you know what? Leave them as is through my Instagram on the side. And that was that. And like without fail, every time I would pull into a gas station in, in the States, someone would be like, I love your cases. They're amazing. And it's kind of how the conversations would start. Well, they are because I've, you know, seen the pictures and whatnot. It is a cool little piece, you know, as yeah. somebody's traveling everywhere, you know, you got a freaking map of, you know, most of the world on your yeah. two freaking big old Pelican case on the side. And yeah, yeah it's they're a cool little piece. They're definitely bigger than I should have gone with. Like I went with the 1600s, I probably could have done well with the 15, the 1550s. Because the problem is, like they're so big, like I feel compelled to pack shit into them. <laughs> so like I'm definitely carrying even after even after almost a year and a half, like I'm still carrying too much shit. Yeah, but then I I don't know. I guess if you flip and look at the price you paid, you got a freaking steal. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, but yeah, the bike the bike was pretty much stock when I bought it. You know, pretty much bone stock from the factory. It had like had like fifteen thousand miles on it, barely broken in. And uh, yeah, it stayed it stayed pretty stock for a while. Like the, the, I didn't put the cases on until twenty twenty one, so I'd had the bike for about two years, just mm-hmm. kind of as bone stock. And then once the once the departure date started looming, I was like, all right, we got to start we got to start upgrading some things. <laughs> What was the first thing you started with? You um, first thing I started with was honestly the first thing was probably the cases. The cases was probably the first thing. Um, yeah, the case. Now that I'm thinking about it, I haven't really done much to it. Like I, I, I added, I added the the Pelican cases. I fixed one of the common issues with the stator, like one of the issues with the V-Stroms is the stator magnets. They tend to come loose inside the flywheel. And it, I remember I was having like all these charging issues where like the bike was just dying on me at stoplights. I was like, what the heck is going on? And I finally, I pulled out, I pulled the stator cover and they were all just in a clump at the bottom. And I was oh, like, shit. I was like, I'm no mechanic, but I know that that's not how that's supposed to go. <laughs> so, um, that was like one modification I had to do. I basically like JB welded them inside the uh, the stator cover with just like wedges of like the JB weld steel stick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been great. It's been great. It's lasted 60,000 miles since. So hey, it's still working. There you go. Yeah. And then I upgraded the clutch basket after about four months on the road. Because that's another common issue with the V-Stroms is like the, the basket itself wears out. Not the plates. The plates, the plates are fine. But the basket itself, anytime I would start like pulling up a hill, it it honestly felt like the engine was gonna explode. Jesus. But every every mechanic I've ever spoken to says it's a common issue on the DL one thousand. It's not gonna break anything. It just feels terrible. <laughs> so, yeah, I put an aftermarket basket in, uh, knobby tires, you know, more more adventure aggressive tires, and then uh, the most recent thing was upgrading the suspension. Yeah. So, yeah, that was the last little bit. And frankly, it's the last upgrade I will probably do. <laughs> now, did you add any, like, auxiliary lights for riding? Or are you still just using just the, the stock headlights? Still using the stock headlights. You know, I, I don't like riding at night, you know. So I I didn't really see a need to. Any Anytime I've ever seen someone add auxiliary lights, they inevitably end up having electrical problems. Mm-hmm. And I was like, the biggest thing I wanted to avoid was electrical problems. Oh, <laughs> so, I would agree. Yeah. They're not fun. I can fix pretty much everything on that machine. But once you start getting into electronics, it's still like black magic sorcery. Like yeah. I was having a starting, I, I was having a starting issue when I was in the Yucatan down in Mexico. And I was racking my brain. I was like, all right, it's got to be a battery. It's got to be a starter. It's got to be something. Tested the battery. Battery was fine. Had the starter rebuilt in Belize. Still, same issue. Finally, I ended up taking it to a, like, I took it to a Suzuki dealership in Guatemala. It took this guy 30 seconds. He went, kill switch. Pulled the kill switch apart, rubbed the contacts with some contact cleaner, put everything back together. Haven't had an issue since. 
I was like, really? That's it? That's all I was missing? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I guess sometimes it pays to know the, you know, a little craft and trade secrets. Seriously. But, yeah. So, no auxiliary lights. I added crash bars in the skid plate. That was another thing. Crash bars in the skid plate, which, thank God for those things, man. That that skid plate has served its purpose time well, and time imagine. again. Oh my God. It's the one, it's really the one bad thing about the V-Strom is how low to the ground it sits. Like I scrape going over speed bumps down here all the time. <laughs> yeah. You don't have a lot of ground clearance. Not at all. Not at all. It's, it's really the one downside. <laughs> yeah. I could imagine. But that's why, that's why we buy a skid plate. <laughs> so for you now down in Central America, because what is that area? I know I've read some was like the Darien Gap where there's actually no road. You got to ship your bike. Yeah. So I'm I'm booked on a shipping container. I was actually supposed to be in Panama City on the 23rd. I just found out yesterday that it got pushed two weeks. So I'm like, I'm kind of in a two week limbo down here in Nicaragua, just waiting to continue. But yeah, the bike's getting put on a shipping container and I'm either going to fly down or hitchhike on a boat down to down to Columbia. We'll see what happens. <laughs> hitchhike on a boat. That could be a little it's, sketchy. I'll, t- I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, man, it's the one thing about Central America that I've been finding is you can pretty much it's it, every every problem down here isn't a problem to anybody. They're just like, we'll figure it out. We'll get you wherever you got to go. Whatever way we're going to get you there, we're going to get you there. <laughs> Like I rocked, I rocked up at a, uh, I was heading down to the coast in Guatemala. I pulled up, I knew I had to like take a ferry, but I expected like a ferry, like a, like a, like a ferry you take, you know, yeah, out in the Pacific Northwest. This guy calls me over. Like I pull up to the, I pull up to the little Embarcadero station. It's this little dinky freaking canoe. And I'm like. I'm like looking at this guy. I'm like, estamos permiso? Like, can we go? And he's like, yeah, come on. And it just loads me onto this little tiny wooden canoe and ferries me a half hour down river. <laughs> I remember seeing the video that you posted. Yeah. yeah. It was the, Will it was, it? It, oh. yeah. Yeah. It was the one, it was the, uh, it was the back to the future sound. <laughs> yeah. Roads. We don't need roads. Exactly. No, I think the one that sketched me out was that bridge crossing you rode across. That whole, I even showed my wife. She's like, fuck no, I turn around. You know, again, it was like the, that was the first, that was the first real moment in Central America where I was just like, uh uh, no, unacceptable. (laughs) But again, you know, it's funny, like, I've realized that traveling, it really does just make you bolder. It really does make you do stuff that you, you did, A, you don't think you were really capable of, B, you never thought you would really have to do, and C, you know, things you do for an adventure, right? Because <laughs> again, yeah. like the, the only other option in that instance was backtracking an hour on the terrible dirt and sandy roads that I had ridden in on. And I was like, I'm not doing that again. I'm not adding, I'm not adding two and a half hours to the, to the day drive. <laughs> So I walked across it. I was like, the boards seem okay. They seem fine. I just got to just gotta punch it. Punch it and go for it. And you don't have much room for error. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, that was, uh, I'll tell you what, though, not the scariest thing I've had to do. Not the scariest thing. I, I, got, I got caught out in a hurricane two days before I left New York. Oh, Jesus. Literally two, two days before it was two days before I left New York. I was staying on a friend's couch because I was I had moved out of my apartment at the end of August. But I I wasn't leaving until September 7th because I had a wedding to go to in upstate that I could that I wasn't going to miss. It was like two of my best friends from college. And I was getting lunch. I had ridden like 20 minutes away from my friend's house to get dinner with like my cousins, just kind of like. Bye, I'll see you in a couple of years when I get back, <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> and I'm sitting in the diner and, you know, earlier on in the day, you know, there was like crazy winds and rain and all this kind of stuff. 
And uh, I'm go ahead. I'm just gonna put some wood in my fire. No, you're good, dude. But yeah. No, I uh, I had. So the, the the all the weather forecast said like, all right, the rain's pretty much over for the day. Like there will be scattered showers here and there. And then I'm sitting in this diner having having dinner, and I'm watching the clouds outside. The sky's turning green. <laughs> and I'm watching the I'm watching the news on the on the TV above our table, and all of a sudden the tornado warnings start flashing. And I'm like, oh shit, shit. And and I'm finally just like again, it, it's fun. It's funny like what motorcycles do. I don't know if you've experienced this bad weather. You gotta ride. Yeah, you, it's <laughs> you gotta get where you're going. So it's just a matter of, you know, it's just a matter of getting there safely. So I literally like as soon as I walked out of the diner, just full on deluge. And I'm like, all right, I love you guys. Have a good one. And I get on the bike and I'm just kind of limping along as close to the shoulder as I can at like 20 miles an hour. And I rode like that for a half hour to get back to my buddy's house. Lightning, lightning coming on and and crazy winds. I was fine like the whole way. And then like 10 minutes from the house, I see the big 18 wheeler coming in the other direction. I see the pool of water it is about to hit. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I'm just shit. like, <laughs> I, 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 I pulled over to the side and I just went, <laughs> just, he hit it and a wall of water, just like total hurricane baptism. And, uh, oh, shit. I, I, my, I think all of my riding gear took about four days to dry out after that. That was a rough one. That was, that was a rough one, but that was, that was some of the spookiest riding I've done on this trip. Uh, I got caught out and again, just a freak lightning storm when I was down in Mexico. So it, those freak nighttime lightning storms are far scarier than any bridge crossing I've ever had to do. Even the spooky one. I had one get caught in a rainstorm. I used to commute out. Well, I mean, you rode to Cape Flattery, so I used to work out yeah. in Column Bay, which is yeah. from my house, it was 65 miles one way out 112. Yeah. And I had, you know, the Joe Rocket ballistic touring coat pants and everything, you know, for crappy weather. Well, it wasn't supposed to be that bad. I'm coming <laughs> Never home after I got off work from the prison, and it was raining so freaking hard. By the time I got to my house, I had pools of water inside my sleeves. So I put my yeah. arms down, water came running off from inside my coat. And it was yeah. supposed to be waterproof. Yeah. Water resistant, how but always is. I've never had it soak through that bad as that one day. It's like, oh my fucking god, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm convinced, I'm convinced the whole Gore Tex thing is a scam. <laughs> like, once it, once it rains hard enough, any harder than a shower, you're gonna get wet, you're gonna get wet. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's just that. And I learned one time too, got caught in a freak hailstorm and only had a half helmet on, yeah. No, uh-uh. Never yeah, again. Yeah, I've been there. I've been there. I, I like my modular now that I have, and at least yeah. then it just really loud in your helmet. You know when you're having to ride down the highway with your arm in front of your face? Like, yeah. Fuck. Yeah, like, this is the worst. This is the worst. I got I got caught in a bad hailstorm when I was up in, when I went up to British Columbia. Bad hailstorm. Like, I have, the vid- I have the videos. I'll send them to you. It's hysterical. I'm sitting in McDonald's just looking out the window, and, like, within 10 minutes, it was, like, sunny out, and then all of a sudden, like, Dime-sized hail. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, oh god, that was chaotic, just chaotic. But I'll tell you what, I'll ride in most weather conditions. The worst is the heavy winds. The heavy winds you hit down here are unreal. I've had some of that in the Columbia River Gorge between Washington yeah. and Oregon. Yeah. Where, I mean, I had a headwind so strong on my road glide. Yeah, I was throttle wide open. I couldn't get past sixty-five miles an hour, and if I rolled the throttle off, it was literally like I'm slamming the brakes on, and then yeah. you couldn't get that speed back. You couldn't were get anywhere. Yeah, the like, closest. Fuck. <laughs> I was about to say the closest I've come to crashing, and then I realized I did crash in Mexico. But until my crash in Mexico, the closest I had come to crashing was in Joshua Tree, uh, down in Southern California. Like the first day I rolled in there. Uh, Hey, have you been to Joshua Tree? No, I haven't. So I've been you... in the area a long, long ass time ago when I went down to uh, Lake Elsinore and yeah, we went to Victorville in the high desert. Did yeah. went down there for a Grand Prix at the Lake Elsinore Grand Prix. Great riding it. The 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 girl the girl I was seeing in California she lived right near Lake Elsinore, so I, it's where I was kind of spending my time this summer. 
But no, when you go out to Joshua Tree, there's a section when you come down the hill from Joshua Tree into Palm Desert, like Palm Springs. Mm-hmm. There's this like 10 mile long section and there's wind turbines all up and down this highway. Dude, I was easily 35 mile an hour crosswinds coming down the valley. And like I at one point I was coming back up in the other direction. I was getting hit with like a 30 mile an hour crosswind on my left hand side. There was a, a just a, a caravan of tractor trailers ahead of me. So I was getting the tailwind off of them. I got at one point, I swear to God, I got picked up off the road, shifted four feet to the side. I missed the I missed the guardrail by like this much. It was Jesus. it was one of those it was one of those ones where you pull over to the side and you're just like Okay, okay. Just gotta collect yeah. yourself and keep keep moving. Well, I had one coming up from Oregon to Washington through an uh, area called Toppenish. Uh-huh. With a side one from hell, my dad and I were riding, and we were literally going up the road at about a forty-five degree angle sideways, yeah. straight, because yeah. the wind was blowing so freaking hard. It's, it's like so holy bad. crap! It's, it's so, especially on the V-Strom too, because you're like so upright. You know, the pro, your profile's huge, especially with how I've got it loaded up. Like I just get, you're getting kicked everywhere, getting kicked everywhere. Well, I can imagine. So, because you probably me- got to have at least what a hundred pounds of extra gear probably all together. It's probably closer to 140, just between okay. like the weight of just between the weight of the cases alone, yeah. you know, because um, those cases aren't light. Yeah, it's it's got to be close to 120, 130 pounds. I've never weighed it. I'm kind of afraid to. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't want to know how much I'm overpacking. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's why I up- it's why I finally bit the bullet and upgraded the suspension because I was like, if I'm going down to Central America, I'm going to need to up- up- upgrade the suspension because I was running stock suspension. Pretty much the first year of the trip. Like I finally, right before I left California at the end of the season, I splurged. I, I used, uh, I think it's EPM Performance. They're based out of Jersey. Mm-hmm. And those guys were great. So they originally serviced my stock shock absorber, threw a new spring on it, made it serviceable. And then five days into Mexico, I'm, I'm heading out to this little mountain town that a friend of mine recommended to me. He was like, you got to go. It's called Real de Catorce. And it's this old like Spanish silver mining town. He's like, you got to go check it out. I was like, great. That's awesome. He didn't mention to me that to get to the town, it was like 30 kilometers of cobblestone roads, like old (laughs) cobblestone roads. Not like, not like cute little masonry roads. Like they found a pebble in a riverbed, stuck it in concrete for 30 kilometers. I got to my, I got to, it was like mile 15. And then finally the rear shock absorber blew like a month after I had it serviced. And I got to get, I got to get credit to these these guys. I don't, I don't blame them. I was putting the, I was putting the shock through a lot. He had a new aftermarket shock absorber FedExed to me in Mexico within like four days. So these guys, those guys were great. Those guys were great. I'll recommend them to anybody. Hey, that's when people stand behind their product like that in customer service. That's awesome. Yeah, he was he su- was super great. Didn't charge me a penny for it. And he was like, you know what? I'll have it to you in four days. Like he and thank God he had one in stock in his in his shop because I was like, I was hunting around <laughs> to find someone to repair this shop because I asked him. I was like, can I get it repaired while I'm down here? He's like, yeah. Anyone who can service, anyone who can service shocks, like they'll be able to do it. But. <laughs> Shut up, Puck. It's the hostile. It's the hostile dog down here. Yeah, it's the biggest, biggest pit bull I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> down, down at this, down at this hostel. But yeah, nah. He was like, yeah, you can have it repaired, but I have one in stock. I'll have it FedExed to you. Don't even worry about it. So, but yeah, so I, I updated the updated the rear shock, and uh, also the front springs. So, yeah. There you go. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> spooky. spooky. So what's spooky. kind of your route? that you, Do you have your route somewhat planned out for South America? So I, I did. I did have it pretty set in stone. And then Peru decided to get a little dicey right now. There's a, there's a lot going on down in Peru. Um, right before Thanksgiving, I guess there was like a coup. Like the president got ousted. And there's been uh, – there's been quite a bit of like civil unrest, 
Like I'm in a couple of groups of guys like riding down south and five, mm-hmm. there's been like five different people who are like, yeah, I got beaten with sticks and rocks by protesters. So probably not a great idea to come down here. So I'm as of right now, I've been I've been looking into this trip down the Amazon because it's actually possible to as a passenger. You can basically ferry down the entire the entirety of the Amazon River, like source to sea. And uh, there's a post on Horizons Unlimited of a guy who did it. And it was funny because I found the post. I read it. It's incredibly detailed. I'm like, this is great. This is what I'm going to do. And then I saw it was from July of 2000. <laughs> so, as far as I can tell, it hasn't been done in about 20 years. But I'm I'm gonna try I'm gonna try and float me and the bike down the Amazon to the to the coast of Brazil. Um, but yeah, so I backtracking a bit. Like I'm shipping into Colombia like mid February. Um, then I'm gonna ride down to Colombia, Ecuador. Then I have to go into Peru to like northeast, like the northeastern part, and then just catch a myriad of ferries down to Brazil. And then head down the coast of Brazil, you know, I've got, I've been doing uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu like 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I, I've got a bunch of friends down in Rio, Sao Paulo, like that whole area. So I want to spend some time there. Um, and then I kind of got to ride out the winter or our summer, their winter for a few months. And then I'm making a break for Ushuaia, like the southern tip. First chance I get in September. So. Nice. And then after that, see what happens. See what happens. I would, I would love to be able to continue on and, you know, I want to head to Southeast Asia, buy a bike in Southeast Asia or have Royal Enfield give me a bike in Southeast Asia. That's kind of the, that's kind of the. Yeah, because that, I'll tell you what, that, I've seen them in person and looked at them in a dealership. Those Royal Enfield Himalayans are fucking cool. And I'll tell you what, they're super common down here. I was kind of shocked. Like down in Central America, there's a bunch of them floating around. There's a lot of them floating around. There's a way bigger motorcycle culture in Central America than I ever would have anticipated. Like you go and every, it seems like everyone around here has like a little 150 or 250 cc engine that they are puttering around on. Yeah. So, but yeah, no. So I, I would love to continue on to Southeast Asia, go through the Himalayas, overland to Europe. Um, I would love to do Africa, but... What, what will likely end up happening is uh, I'll probably end up going back to the States for a little while. Just work. You know, the mantra is kind of work, save, travel, repeat. Yeah. So go back to the States, work a while, save some cash and, you know, get back out on the next section. That'd be cool. I'd be, it's been fun following your adventure. It's been it, super freaking cool. And, you know, that's why I, You'd post that one. It's like, God, you know, and you responded pretty quick when I come. I'm like, fuck yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I'm always like, I'm always super stoked to to hop on podcasts and talk about my travels. And, you know, because I remember like when I was getting ready to travel, I just remember consuming as much of that as I possibly could to kind of keep the keep the inspiration going. Because I know like, you know, once you start planning like a long trip, I remember I remember when I was planning this trip, there was there was a lot of days where I was kind of burnt out on just the, the preparation aspect of it, you know, especially the days where it kind of felt like it was just this limbo period of being ready to leave mentally, ready to leave physically, but for whatever circumstances, not being able to just pick up and go. So right. I remember the I remember the travel podcasts were a big, uh, were a big source of just like, got to get through the next X amount of days. We're almost there. So. And that's what I, I you know, it's fun to, you know, unless you share your story and people can listen and, you know, the old saying kind of live vicariously through it. And I yeah. so much enjoy hearing people's travel stories. I mean, I love to travel on a bike. It's a, yeah. I think there's no better way to travel because it's way more personal. I mean, everything is just, it's a night and day different experience than being totally. in a car. Totally. And, you know, hearing other people's stories of places they've been. And I mean, like, God, your places are, you know, I will probably never ride my life, but it's so cool to be able to hear the story and, you know, help yeah. share it and it's super cool man i greatly appreciate it ah yeah. and again like i appreciate you having me on here love uh i'm always looking for more opportunities like this so this, well this hey no good. it knows as you get farther through south america you know 
whatnot. I, dude, you're honored. I'd love to have you come back again and, you know, continue the adventure and, you know, tell us about Absolutely. Especially if you ferry all the way down the Amazon. I want to hear about that. That, that I, could be kind of freaking cool if you, if that works out right and you still can do it. I'm like, it's, it's so, it's so funny how quickly it went from like an idea to like, now it's kind of the plan. Um, mm -hmm. Cause it was something when I left New York, it was never, it was never entered my mind. I was like, no, I'm just going to ride down the Pan American, like through Peru and do all that. But then, you know, it's kind of just how you go, you know, you find a roadblock and you work around it. So right. I, I was, I was literally, I was sitting in a hostel in Guatemala, looking at the news and just kind of like figuring out what the next step was and then i it was just like one article i found on like it very quickly went from finding an article on people who had taken a boat down the amazon just like by themselves like as a backpacker to mm -hmm. one horizons unlimited horizons unlimited post to this is doable i guess this is doable so this is a good idea this is it this is it this is an awesome adventure you know i it's funny. I stayed with, I stayed with a with a bunker biker, down in mm. Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. His name's Chuck Chuck Richards. Great guy. He was awesome. I, I stayed with him. I stayed with him and his wife for like three days. And Chuck is just such a cool guy. Like he he spent he spent years up in the Yukon, up in like Alaska, just kind of living off grid in this cabin. You know, he's he's traveled all the way up and all the way around the country. He hitchhiked across country for two years of his life, like just a really interesting guy. And I remember he said, one of the things he, one of the things he told me in the, we spoke for like four hours the first night I was there. He said something to the effect of anytime I, anytime I decided, or I was thinking about doing something adventurous, I would think how good of a story is this going to be if I could pull it off? <laughs> and that's kind of like, that's kind of, that's kind of, become part of the mantra as well like you know I, it took me a long time to it took me a long time to verbalize because people ask you know why why comes up all the time you know why are you traveling this way why are you living like this and uh it took me about a year of being on the road to finally realize it's like i want to just live a life that i'll be proud of talking about when i'm older you know like once i'm like oh. Once I'm like in my 50s, 60s, 70s, end of life, I want to be proud of what I did when I was young, what I was able to do, you know? And, uh, well, you know, as you continue this adventure, you know, hopefully you come back, like I said, work, maybe, you know, you hit Australia, the other places, a tour. I would love sometime, I mean, exactly what you're saying, say 10 years down the road, 12 years, meet up somewhere and sit around a campfire and hear some of your stories face to face, you know, in person. Absolutely. And, toss back a few wobbly pops and and hear the adventure of the story because you know you, you're living a dream a lot of people want to do but they just they can't pull that trigger because of life and situations they have and Absolutely. being able Absolutely. to follow you know your adventures and you know as i hope you know build a friendship because this is so freaking cool what you're doing and i i love hearing about it and you know i, I can't wait to to keep watching to see where you go next and how it continues uh, I appreciate it, man. And it's always good to hear that because I get I get self-conscious sometimes. I'm like, you know, you get, you know, I'm sure you've noticed like there will be like days, weeks at a time where like I'm kind of quiet. And part of that is like one of the big things that I, I wanted to make sure of when I was traveling was record it in a way that is cohesive to the people who are following along, but document it in a way that doesn't take away from the experience, you know? Right. Because people ask me all the time, like, you know, you should be on YouTube, you should be docu you should be moto vlogging and this and that. And I'm like, that was the original intention, right? When I left, like I was going to do the whole moto vlogging thing. But as soon as I got out on the road, I was like, this is going to take away from the trip. YouTube's going to take a step back. It's why TikTok, it, it, it's why TikTok was so attractive was because it was a way for me to document it in a much mm -hmm. easier way. Simpler that format. Simpler format that's interesting to other people. So I, I I feel bad sometimes when I go a week, week and a half, two weeks without posting, but to hear that it's enjoyable is always nice. <laughs> well, and it goes with what you're saying. I mean, I have, you know, some friends, you know, they made like throughout in the YouTube community. And he said, you know, sometimes it got to the point where he didn't even want to ride just because, oh, God, I got to get my cameras. And he's like, 
you know what? He goes, fuck it. He left him a saddlebag, didn't even take it. He's like, you know what? Today, I'm just going to enjoy the ride. I'm going to ride exactly. and not worry about making the content and making it almost like a job. He's like, fuck that. He goes, and yeah. sometimes you just got to step away from it. It's like, I can, you know, make content tomorrow I'm or down the road. I'm going to enjoy yeah. the ride and just, you know, you still got to get back to simplicity and just enjoy what you're doing in, in the adventure. I mean, absolutely. it's awesome to slow down in a way, you know, take pictures, photographs. I mean, I'm very guilty of that myself. It's like, I'll, yeah. I want to get from A and I want to get to B. Okay, cool. I got a 900 mile ride. And it's like, I just want to pound miles. And I've done some trips like, well, you know what? I got like four photos to document from like a day and a half of riding. It's like, I, trying to even make myself slow down and you know smell the roses to say and try to enjoy it and have at least some pictures and whatnot to be able to look back on on the memories or you know to put something together it's like you know what hey i did this i was there here's you know pictures but sometimes i'm very guilty that's like i just want to go and i i don't take you know some of the the simple photographs of places where it's like you know what if you you're having an awesome ride enjoy it but you know, give yourself something to look back to on also, I think. Absolutely. It's actually, it's why the, it's why the 360 camera was such a, was such a thankful addition to the kit. You know, like it's funny. I, I hopped on the, I hopped on the 360 camera bandwagon very early, like back in, I bought one back in 2019, 2018, really when I actually, yeah, it was 2019 when I bought my first one. And uh, I think they're so versatile for moto, specifically motorcycle trips it's mm-hmm. like being able to pick and choose after recording what you want to look at and the views that you, like the actual frames that you want to capture it takes so much less focus than like relying on a gopro <laughs> i could imagine i've i've kind of looked at some but yeah i don't so when you turn those on is it just automatic always recording a 360 degree view you press a button records in 360 and then you pick and choose the frame after the fact in editing and post-processing. Damn. Yeah. Cool. It's so much better. And I have it rigged on a, I have it rigged on a a Ram mount so I could very quickly like shift it from point of view to where it's literally sitting right here, recording everything in front of me. And then I just bend it back and now I can pick and choose after the fact to focus on me. So it's such so much less stressful of a system than like having four different GoPros. Yeah. Four different places. So yeah. Yeah. But again, it, it's just like you said, I'm, I'm more focused on doing it, experiencing it and going on the ride than documenting it and sending it out to the world. My lights just turned off. I saw your lights just went out. Okay, there we go. Got the lights back on. There you go. I know how it goes. I'm telling you. (laughs) Same thing happened to me this morning. Yeah. So, dear. And we're black. Okay. But, yeah. Well, sweet, man. This this has been a lot of fun, man. Thank you for, you know, kind of tweaking your schedule a little bit and, and, you know, coming on and and sharing some of the adventure. I I greatly appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, Dude, this was awesome. I appreciate you having me on. And, again, We'll do this again. Like once I get down to Argentina, oh, once I get down to Argentina, I have more stories. We'll definitely do this again, oh, and for sure. As once once I come back to the states, I'll definitely I'll definitely be up in your neck of the woods again. We'll uh oh absolutely we'll get out for a ride, do you something. Have a place we got we have a spare bedroom now that the kids have moved out, and I appreciate it. So actually, we can post. I got your website post down here below, and uh. Once we get to YouTube, we'll put awesome. everything down below, your social media plugs. And, you know, if you want to go ahead and plug where people can follow you, man, feel free. But I will also be adding that. So get some more yeah, people absolutely. your pictures. I, I, I kept it super easy. It's at Mike's Moto Travels on all of my socials. So TikTok and Instagram are the big ones. Um, I have a website, www.mikesmototravels.com. If you want to donate a tank of gas, you can do that on my website. Uh, you can buy some of my photo prints. I'm a photographer, so that's kind of where I, kind of where I put out all my photography stuff. And yeah, re- if anyone has any questions, feel free to reach out to me on a DM on Instagram. 
I'm pretty easygoing. I'll answer anybody's questions if they got them. And uh, the more questions you ask, the more TikTok videos I can make. So, <laughs> so yeah, I'm always Careful up to what you wish for, man. Uh, <laughs> ah, hey, man. I know. The more community I can build, that's all I can ask for. It is, and it is uh, an awesome community to be part of, for sure. Well, I, I appreciate you having me again, my friend, and uh, I look forward to doing this again. Oh, dude, so do I. And, I, you know, I'm going to, like I said, I enjoy following it, so I can't wait to keep continue following your adventures. And, yeah, once you get south, and I want to hear the stories of South America. Absolutely, dude. Sweet. Well, hey, everybody, thank you for tuning in to uh, Milepost 89 with Mike Barr, a.k.a. Mike's Motor Travels. So, hey, you guys, when you hit that open road, ride safe, have fun, and uh, we'll catch you on the highways. Stay safe out there, guys. Thank you.